Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of Monster Dear Monster, the podcast where we explore monsters from their humble folkloric beginnings to their modern day incarnations. Uh, I am one of your hosts, Leonard, and today I am joined by Dave. How's it going? Pretty good, Dave. Uh, We are here to talk about the first part of uh, uh, Unami's? Is that Umi? Umami? <laughs> umami. Umami, umami like the flavor. Um, the, the working name of uh, Justin uh, Tomchuk. Uh, Tomchuk. Um, a uh, Canadian musician, uh, animator, voice actor. Uh, who created um, a a um, web series that he then uh, edited together into a two-part film uh, that I have watched repeatedly, uh, known as Interface Part 1 and Part 2. Um, and uh, yeah, this is one of my new favorite things. Um, it isn't a, a weird cartoon from the 80s. It is, it is something bizarrely contemporary for me. Uh, and that is what we are here to discuss today. Um, so, uh, it, it is a, um, a personal journey set in an alternate history world. Um, and we're going to go uh, uh, through it episode by episode, though, in the context of part one and uh, part two. Uh, once again, they are edited like a film. Uh, uh, so, um, you know, there will be bleed over from episode to episode. But before we get into that, uh, I just want to uh, get some ideas of your thoughts uh, on this series so far dave yeah so this was the first when you when you brought this to my attention i had not heard of this and as with many things i was like oh i, I feel remiss in in missing out on this um when it first aired uh 2016 i think somewhere around then um but at the same time uh i, I watched interface part one and i don't know how it would have panned out watching this in like two to three minute like segments uh right of little episodes i was like you don't get it's a cohesive thing as one piece but in chopped up segments as it was kind of being served out since it took you know like two months to animate each segment um you would have zero idea of like what's going on, where this is going. There's, there's nothing, there's not like a through line until it starts kind of ramping up to speed about halfway through the first, uh, segment. Um, but it's, it's 40 minutes or like, I guess it's 12. Yeah. Two, two, 12 episode, um, chunks. Mm. And, yeah, well, I wasn't <laughs> prepared um, to, to <laughs> for the the sur- surreality of what I was going to be shown. 
um, as this wins, <laughs> even though it opens with like it's not it's not um, holding like anything back or reserving in the first episode, like the first little bit. You're just okay, yeah. That it's bringing the weird from the word go, um, right. and that was enough to go like, yeah, I yeah, I'll watch more of this because it's very strange. Um, it is uh, for uh, people in our age bracket. Um, the closest thing that I can uh, compare it to is um, this was a segment that ran on liquid television from like its inception to the end of the series. This was one of the animated vignettes. Um, and I think that's one of the reasons why I find it so charming. Yeah, um, it, it feels like that and it feels... Um... Ooh, what was uh, uh big head or something? Oh, um, the the head empty the head, oddities. yeah, yeah, the head. That's what it was. It reminded me kind of of that. Mm-hmm. It is a very very, very specific. specific. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, so. Uh, we open on a man in a blue suit and a blue bowler smoking a cigarette, staring into a building, uh, a shop storefront front full of mannequins. Um, these mannequins have uh, uh, weird staticky eyes. Uh, and then we uh, pull back. And, um, Dave, what happens? What happens when, when the shot pulls back? We find we ourselves con- to? confronted to a, a spaghetti spider clown. I don't... Yeah. Um, if they took... And I think that this was, this was the stated intent, but the imagery of the amorphous Pennywise... And yes. making, if you made him congenial instead of uh, verbally frightening, mm-hmm. then this is what you get: is something visually disturbing, but presenting itself um, matter-of-factly, like not not being horrific in. conversational presentation <laughs> yes <laughs> just, you just don't yes. look don't look directly at the clown spaghetti thing <laughs> yes this is the introduction of of the pink guy um uh but mo- uh known as mischief and yes uh it is a horrible eldridge clown creature that is completely pink it has big clown mouth it has a big clown nose it has tiny squinty eyes that never fully open and um two I always I call them headlights, but they they also look like eyes, um, to the point that when I actually first started watching the series, I was like, Oh, these are like he's like the uh um the basilisk from Dark Souls, like, oh no, the the the, the, the things that look like tiny little eyes aren't his eyes they're these big head like things but no they're just they're just orbs mouths um as we'll come yeah. to find out yeah they're like 
mouths. I I read them as it's it's teeth or the grill that is kind of its teeth just kind of run through its whole head oh <laughs> because because it, it does when it's talking it doesn't open its teeth yes with the, with the exception of every now and then like a little tongue sticks out but it's just it's it's lips moving correctly but it's if you were talking but not opening your jaw right and that makes it worse like <laughs> it's not it's it's great because it's not great. Like don't yes. don't, don't look at the corner. He's 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 great and he's kind of like one of my favorite new characters to come out of any pieces of media uh in recent memory. Um because like you said, he is uh unbelievably pleasant and genial and uh and uh, very wise. Um, he, he, he scuttles up to the man in blue, um, and, uh, gets his attention, uh, uh, and immediately, uh, gives his, uh, simplified backstory, which is crazy, um, and, uh, sets up his character perfectly, uh, turns out in, uh, 1943, uh, he was stationed on a battleship in uh, Philadelphia uh, that was uh, using electromagnetic uh, waves to, you know, camouflage themselves, uh, America, from the enemy. Uh, and instead, they, the ship and its crew were teleported to New York uh, uh, and, and triggered a catastrophic event that changed the fundamental basis of reality on the planet forever <laughs> yeah it it opened a viewing <coughs> not even a viewing portal it just it, it, it made people aware of things that sh that are normally like outside of the human experience so ghosts cryptids monsters anything that is in sort of like legend or folklore that that those things have a way of like fully appearing like fully manifesting and it's it's through a weird um t tv static goop yes but the yeah it, uh, <laughs> it is a cerebral energy uh yes. which uh uh, is uh, explained to us to have always existed, but just finally presented itself to uh, humanity. Um, but uh, more importantly, uh, this this ship incident is a reference to the very real world uh, um, Philadelphia experiment, I believe. Um, yes, and the there was a. Um... Uh, a conspiracy theorist that ended up leaking information, um, I think, to a reporter about the nature of the experiment and and what happened to that ship. Because um, I believe the ship was just found, like, destroyed. Hmm. Um, but he's like, yes, the, the crewmen were fused to the hull and it traveled through time. And, like, it's not um, those things are probably not what happened but that's that is stuck in the popular culture 
uh, idea of it. And there's been um, there was two movies in the eighties uh, dealing specifically with this, where the ship jumped through time uh, mm-hmm. and had the um, the nineteen forty three sailors in like present at the time present day um, Manhattan, I think. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, I, it's so, it's been a very long time since I've seen those those movies, but um, that's what it's kind of riffing on. Yes, um, but but Mischief himself was a crew member, and instead of being fused, his body was like obliterated, and his consciousness went out into the universe, and it took him years to to what does he say? He's like to. Uh, forced to regain my physicality yeah yeah forced to regain my physicality so he somehow created a body out i I guess out of the um it's it's built from the uh electrical uh cerebral 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 electricity electricity yeah, which looks like I said, uh, as we said, um, jellified TV static. Yes. Um, yeah. Uh, so mischief is basically Doctor Manhattan, um, but a horrible clown monster, um, but a, a horribly a horrible looking clown monster that is a wonderful conversationalist. Yes. <laughs> Who, who's chosen, I guess, to look like this because he can shape fully shape change into whatever he wants. Yeah. He prefers um, to be pink though. Just Yeah. Per- prefers to be a, a a a pink clown monster. Um once again, I I I love it. It, it every time so I I I've watched this at least the first part of the series like 10 times over the course of the last month and a half because I I just enjoy it so much. I'll just put it on as background noise, sometimes I'll just hunker down and really dig into it. Um, and every single time I watch it, I come away loving mischief more and more because um, the thing I think the main thing, my main takeaway, and this this also bleeds over into part two, but we will discuss that when we get to it, um, is the fact that mischief just doesn't lie. Um, he's pretty much like there's no obfuscation there's no deliberate attempt to mislead i really cannot think of anything that he says throughout the entirety of the series that can be construed as a lie so the fact that we, we there's this once again horrible spaghettified uh, <laughs> uh clown <laughs> monster from the outer reaches of space uh, but is also just a normal guy. Um, is 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 a really fun juxtaposition uh, to me. Yeah, and he's um, through reasons we find like quite concerned with um, Henrik's well being. Yes, and he he makes that verbally clear. Um, yeah, yeah, maybe you, maybe you shouldn't be smoking. That's why you're not so hungry. You know, things like he, it's casual observations, mm-hmm. but they're, they're simp, well, I can't say they're sympathetic. They're just statements, but they <laughs> yes. show like 
a level of concern that yes. doesn't that doesn't really come through in the tone because all <laughs> of all of mischief's very specific uh, voice is it's kind of it's flat but not in a mocking way it's just statements yes but the 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 content of those statements is what you have to kind of pay attention to i watched this um with the uh closed captioning on and i think that that helps um yes because there's quite a few parts where it's like what the 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 subject matter is dense so you you want to be able to like read it (laughs) Mm mm-hmm yeah, mischief, mischief sounds like this a lot of the times. Yeah. Only processed, only processed, like, a little deeper, a little grungier. The year was 1943. So, um, yeah, <laughs> uh, closed captioning is definitely, um, definitely recommended. Uh, and more importantly, uh, yes, we are going to be talking about this uh, as, as much as we can in this episode, part one. Uh, but... Uh, I really do recommend that if any of this sounds remotely interesting to you, that you you go watch this. Like this is, uh, we're not we're not you know bearing the lead on this one. I think we can both say that we this is something that we recommend if if you're you're in the uh, mood for something that is both existential and introspective. <laughs> Yeah, there's, and it's, and it's, uh, artful. It's, it's done in a simple way, uh, but it's not belying, like, the talent that's behind it. Mm -hmm. Um, when, uh, when the creator was making this, he, he restricted himself to, I think, a um, 480 by 800 no 640 by 480 it's it's a small um palette um in mm-hmm. the in the, the i think it's like adobe creative something or other that you do animations but okay. um it was reduced in the color but he had to uh be more careful with everything because he doesn't mm-hmm. didn't have a large range of colors and things to use but um in an interview i believe he says that 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 freed his creativity rather than felt it didn't feel limiting to do it but um because of that he had to really lean or he it allowed him to really lean into uh light and shadow and what you you can notice as you're watching it is like uh the characters and, and figures are um they're usually like backlit or they're lit by like a red or green. Like it's very specific color choices that just set a set of mood and he'll shift in the same scene between um, color schemes. And it's, uh, it's it's just a a treat to look at. Um, And again, Mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's surreal in that, um, how it's being shown to you is using a lot of symbolism too. So there's not just straightforward. Um, you're not just watching like a show play out. You're, you're, you're getting glimpses of, uh, they're not like subliminal messaging, but it's, it's that kind of feeling where it's an image flash very quickly across the screen. 
and right. you have to like figure out okay it was a symbol it's mean there's a meaning to it but it's not explained um there's no exposition to give you like other context you have to just kind of figure out what that might mean mm-hmm. um yeah it, it it's dense like like yeah. like you said it is it is it is dense um uh visually uh uh i won't even say simplistic but uh uh visually limited and and very dense um after uh so uh getting back to it after uh mischief uh gives his backstory um henrik says nothing uh because throughout the entirety of the series henrik says nothing uh and that will be explained uh and then mischief just uh turns himself into a bus that looks like him everything that he transforms to into save for one thing um looks like him uh and uh then his face appears in the drive as the driver's seat and says hey get on i'm not going to hurt you uh which once again uh, just because I, I I really love the fact that he he doesn't lie and just kind of makes statements of fact, um, Henrik does, uh, and he uh, mischief asks uh, asks him where does where do you want to go? I can take you anywhere, um, and if you don't decide, I will, and we are uh, treated to a montage of of. Uh, the location where the the first set of episodes, this part one, takes place, which happens to be Montreal. Um, we and uh, this is also really good uh, setup because um, we are given glimpses of like strange location. There's a a big what looks like an amphitheater with uh, with uh, strands of of. Cerebral electricity being drawn out of it, um, but then we're also given shots of people just, you know, milling about doing their everyday lives. Um, it it appears that a lot, at least a significant number of um, things uh, like electronics are now powered by this cerebral electricity, um, and finally. Uh, uh the the mischief bus uh which is a thing that i never thought i'd actually ever say um arrives at a fine art museum uh and uh when um he transforms he has transformed into henrik's clothing and possessed him it's unclear at this point but uh it is only henrik and mischief is is has enrobed himself uh in 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 to henrik's clothing uh as i think he's on his body because it, it goes over his face this is the only time that henrik's making not a uh neutral n- to- yeah a non-expression <laughs> like he's smiling yes. Yes. Um uh this is uh and at this point after the setup and and this really wonderful montage vignette uh we uh we get the the info dump which as we've covered before uh uh 
1943, uh, the world fundamentally changed. The cerebral electricity uh, presented itself. Uh, this is all being uh, discussed at a UN presentation uh, by Mr. Greetings of the Greetings Robotics uh, Company. Um, but more importantly, uh, before we we get into that, we are introduced to the actual really horrifying thing uh, in this series, and that would be the baby face blimp, <laughs> Dave. Yeah, I didn't. No one expects baby face blimp. Uh, so, <laughs> the uh, Greetings Robotic Corporation is a. Mm, it's a mega corporation, so it's like Tyrell Corporation in Blade Runner or Genom Corporation in Bubblegum Crisis. It it makes things, um, right. consumer electronics, uh, giant baby face blimps. It's all all manner of technology, <laughs> uh, and all um, harnessing the power of the. Um, the Cerebral and electricity, uh, using it in a way that's um, it's it, because it's an un, unknown substance. Uh, it's it's taking that and uh, making it um, ubiquitous. So mm -hmm. this feels like the company that. Uh, to to call back again to an older episode, this is like the company that uh, harnesses the stuff and yes. sells it over the world. So it's 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 <laughs> it's commodifying some uh, non natural resource and right. and like staking a claim on a thing, and presumably no one else is able to use it. And they have big vats of it, um, but more, yes. more, more importantly, they they understand that the cerebral electricity is, I guess it's potentially it's sent it's sentient, or mm -hmm. it's it's in all living things, right? Uh, and it you could maybe think of it as an analog to what we consider the soul right so they've they've taken the staticky goop and um created a uh, uh <coughs> a moving frame for it a a, a human body uh, yes and this is kami which is uh i don't know i can't remember the dumb acronym uh kinetic autonomous mechanical, mechanical interface. interface yes <laughs> so the key key word being there um uh, autonomous and interface mm -hmm. because the static that's animating it is uh i trying to think of what it reminds me of you know it reminds me of ghostbusters 2 the um the slime Yes, that's running beneath oh, yeah. the city, yeah. but it's 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 full of like ghosts. It's full of spirits, mm -hmm. so like ectoplasm. This is kind of like what um, the static is. It's it's full of people's spirits, 
or yes. it or it's some of it is like it could have it has absorbed specific people so kami uh it's a it's a robot body and then it has a mask on it but beneath the mask is like a viewing plate or a, a hole uh uh-huh. where the static pops up and in in it is like different faces kind of morph in and out of uh view yeah, like it'll be like a laughing oh. lady, and it'll kind of twist itself into a sneering man, and it 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 just it's a jumble of like faces inside there, which makes it all the more creepy. And then the mask is, is sort of a um like a no mask mm-hmm. that pops out down over it, but um it the interface part is key because it can plug into other things such as the giant baby blimp and use that as an extension of the body it's doing or the the, the, the robotic shell it just mm. pumps the static of itself into a bigger shell it's kind of a ghost yes. in the shell it, it well it is also <laughs> well it's also yes it is definitely uh, uh, reminiscent of of a robot that you would see in ghost in the shell uh, yeah, they, by it's very design. Yeah, combine that with like the um, Tyrell Corporation blimp that just has mm-hmm. big ads on the side of it in Blade Runner. It looks like yes. that, just if you decided to make a weird, terrifying baby face um, as yep. the front of the the blimp. Um, which I choose to believe isn't weird, since guess what? Now demons and ghosts and all those other things are just have just been around for you know like sixty over years, half over, a, over sixty years. Yeah, at this point, um, so like that's just old hat. So a a giant corporate blimp with a baby face is just very how you do nothing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, and I believe she has um, a, a Japanese character on yes. the Ka- back. Kami, the, the character for Kami, god or spirit, is um, tattooed on her neck. <laughs> it's it's, it's yes. carved out as another viewing portal. Um, yes. And you can see the static like inside of it. Uh, and her and its ultimate purpose is, as Mr. Greeting says, uh, they... Uh, uh, it, I think this is kind of interesting, which is, as you've mentioned, they've kind of codified um, the cerebral electricity, but Greetings wants to reverse um, the change. He's like, yeah, this world sucks. This world's a nightmare. Um, I want to, we, the Greetings Robotic uh, Corporation is, is hell-bent with the authority of multiple nations on returning the world back to the its state uh, prior to 1943, um, which, you know, once again seems weird if you're the main provider and 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 um, uh, source of 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 this electricity that that you've built your corporation on. But well, he, I mean, uh, his his words are the world's. Uh, uh, the world is plagued by the um, cerebral electricity. Whatever things it's animating um, are potentially harmful. It's not just at a UN meeting. It's the UN Counterterrorism um, Committee. So yes, uh, 
other groups maybe are harnessing the um, the cerebral electricity to like to terrorize people. Uh, we we get um, I think it's in the next episode uh, TV ads for these um, monster collection for <laughs> yeah it's, yeah it's <laughs> aimed at kids but they are. There's probably lawsuits going around. I feel like these things have maybe harmed or killed children because they look like it's just monster bodies that are animated by the cerebral electricity. But they've mm. just they're just marketing it as like a I don't know. It's I, it's I don't like know. real real life Yu Gi Oh or real life Pokemon. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You too could have a monster in my pocket. Um, Literally, yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, so, you know, we're never shown, like, the, uh, extremes of, of, of possibilities, uh, other than, uh, through mischief and, uh, the, the stuff that Cammy does, but it is there. Um, and speaking of the fourth episode, uh, we get a, um, really, uh, it's just a silent vignette of a small child uh nestled against a monster uh which appears to be a hand wearing a cloak and a mask um which is great um I'm very happy with that <laughs> character design um uh in which uh Cammy uh descends from the sky uh removes all of the walls from an apartment building and absorbs uh this this uh hand spirit uh ripping it away from this child leaving her alone um and uh then uploads it into the uh baby blimp which we then discover has a has a brain and a spinal cord which is a positronic <laughs> so uh, all of this like when I was watching these things, because we had just so recently watched um, Monument Mythos, uh, yes. it's it was like a one to one uh, of the um, uh, oh, what's the stupid Zeppelin's called? The whatever the um, the guy that was the president and also the. The philanthropist. I'll think of his name in a second. Uh, oh Henry, yes, Henry um, uh, Rockefeller. Rockefeller. Yeah. So the the World War One. No. Yes, was fought with um, the Rockefeller Zeppelins. Uh, mm. each, each, with, within each um, was a uh, Canyon Crown. Um, Galangal uh, head. Okay, that, that was this. That was um, the same size. Like it, it's it's the the whole front of the zeppelin inside uh, of it just, was the head. Head. Okay. Yeah. So <laughs> it's the same sort of imagery when it's showing like right. the the weird cat scan or no the encephalo encephalograph. Mm -hmm. In this of one, the baby blimp. Yeah, of the baby blimp. It's it's the it's showing like the same uh cross section 
um, when it's showing the plans for the uh, Rockefeller uh, Zeppelins. Uh, although those were armed with a giant laser, but um, anyway, it, it was it was like this is very that, <laughs> right? Um, and uh, uh, um, uh, Kemi uh, uploads uh, the the this uh, cerebral electricity, um, and I believe we get a readout indicating uh, that um, the baby blimp now has hands, which. Uh, um, you know, considering that this entity that it absorbed was a pair of hand, was a hand with a cloak and face, um, seems rather on point. But um, the important thing is, uh, uh, this the spirit is is actually very important, um, and so is this child. But we will uh, get to that uh, later on. Um, meanwhile, uh, Henrik and, uh, Mischief are in the museum, and, uh, Henrik just happens across the, um, uh, painting The Son of Man, uh, uh, for those of you needing a visualization, it is a classic painting of a man in a blue suit and bowler hat, uh, standing, uh, facing straight towards the viewer with his face obscured by a green apple. Um, obviously mirroring Heinrich's own, uh, <laughs> uh, appearance. Uh, uh, this is when mischief disengages with Heinrich, uh, <laughs> and, uh, assumes, like, the cutest pose that a horrible eldritch monstrosity ever has with his elongated arms, just kind of hands clenched underneath his chin just having a little conversation like man it's been a i'm so used to uh spaghettification as my means of transport that i've almost forgotten what it's nice what it's like to be human it's like ah oh, man limitations and all that uh it's wild it's crazy how you do it um once again uh really cementing that um that mischief while a horrible like once again, Eldridge monstrosity is also just kind of a cool guy. Yeah, and he this conversation, this whole part is um, all significant. But um, when Mischief's mentioning that, uh, he's like, um, "Traveling on and with you, uh, like allows me to see, um, like I miss that sense." Um, mm -hmm. but I also, I can't divine, like, your desires. Mm -hmm. He's like, I, I can't, he doesn't have the empathy anymore for, like, certain emotions. Right. And that's the thing that he sounds like he wants. Mm-hmm. But it's not uh, elaborated on, like, at least not at this moment. Right. Um, yes. Uh, and, and I believe the, the, the ex, uh, exact quote is, uh, through your eyes, the world looks no different, uh, to me, which is actually a, um, a, an important phrase that will come back later, will, will actually come back later. Yeah. Um, oh, oh, here, here it is. Um, uh, to see through your eyes, the world around here still looks no different to me, but it's what you desire that brought you here. And these thing these are the things I'm blind to. 
Yes. Um, yeah, it's great. It's really good. Um, he hears people coming and turns into and 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 warps a piece of art and transforms into a sunflower. Uh, and uh, it's a mother and child. And uh, when they arrive, the sunflower speaks and says, "I'm a beautiful sunflower." In that raspy, yeah, it's like, voice. I'm a beautiful sunflower. <laughs> um, <laughs> like, yeah, okay. <laughs> Uh, yes, uh, you know, the mother's, like, looking at it, like, judging it, and the child is clearly horrified, uh, by, by it, and, uh, there's a part of me that wonders, uh, if that's because, um, he could just see mischief for what he is, or if it's just the horror of this giant sunflower <laughs> speaking to them, um, but yeah, it's a it's a good it's a good bit. Um Henrik uh takes uh, uh the elevator up 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 a couple of floors and comes to a another painting um which I believe is uh Geopoliticus Child Watching the Birth of the New Man uh by Salvador Dali uh and uh, this is uh, a little bit of uh, mischief, where he says that he can relate to this painting because it reminds him of these uh, circumstances that brought him into being, um, uh, that he was just a little baby chick uh, breaking out of a shell, that shell being the world, um, and uh, he then starts asking Heinrich uh well not asking but he uh this this uh his his speech triggers um memories uh in Heinrich where uh we discovered that he had a a a family a wife a child uh his uh what we can only assume is his daughter um uh, starts remarking about uh basically the fact that Heinrich never ages um, and that she's close to death, uh, and she says, when I, when I finally pass and I, and I see mom, should we wait for you? Will you ever come to us? Um, and that, and which causes Heinrich to pass out. I mean, he doesn't even just pass out. He like fetal positions, uh, mental collapses. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and the the yes. vo- the voice acting for that part on that part on part of his daughter is like really poignant because it's yes. not it's not delivered matter of factly it's delivered in like this despairing voice. Mm-hmm. You know, it's almost like accusatory. Like she's yes. she, well, she's up obviously she's upset with her unaging father uh, <laughs> and his. Right. Um, what we find out is his like just increasing distance from his family and, mm, and the humanity. world and himself. Right. Yeah. Uh, and I, no, I think it's the next, it's the next segment. That, that, um, so yeah, she, when she's mentioning that you're just like, what? <laughs> because yes. It's just <laughs> the, the, mo- the, it's the moment of, cause it's showing her as like an old woman mm-hmm. um, saying that she's, she's, 
going to visit her mother in heaven and um you know do you want us to wait for you or you're not even going to show up are you it's it's not a it doesn't feel like it's a question it feels like in in accusing like you're never we're just going to leave because you're never going to die right yeah um and uh, and that uh we uh we are finally introduced to uh, Heinrich's anomalous nature um uh because as as uh has been shown up until this point he's just a dude that doesn't talk one could just assume that he's mute but uh this is the first like insight into what uh his deal is and um possibly why mischief uh was drawn to him uh, so yeah this did that, show at the i was thinking it was the next episode but it does show in like the fat the, the quickest of glimpses um when when it's showing you that he's a photographer or was a photographer many many years ago um he was present at the or he he is the photographer of the um nevada nuclear test yes because it sh- it shows that in like a point something second um glimpse into his reflection in his glasses mm-hmm. um yeah so um we uh we cut to a hospital room uh, um uh Hyrix in a hospital bed watching tv with the creepy uh greetings robotic ad of shifting faces which is uh uh which is actually an nvidia tech demo uh i think it's called an hour of of celebrities that don't exist um it's credited in the uh it's actually listed in the credits as, as an asset for um in, in inter- interface so um that's where that's from uh filmmakers i guess oh, feel okay. free to to use that <laughs> i i hated that <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's really bad it's really it's deeply unpleasant um it's it's used to great effect here um actually uh, because it is so deeply unpleasant um and then uh surprise mischief's here and he's trying to be a bird and i and my love grows ever stronger for for him cuz he is horrific and unwieldy but still you know vaguely bird shaped uh and is like i'm trying to be a bird i don't think i have it quite figured out yet but you know i'm getting there um also, when he appears in the window, he immediately says "tweet, tweet, tweet" in that horrible rasp that is yeah. his voice. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, yeah. Mischief as inverse Pennywise is probably one of the smartest <laughs> things. So yeah, it, come up it with. reminds me of if you took Pennywise and then crossed him with Doraemon. <laughs> yes, like make the terrifying clown a playful superpowered like adventure partner because that's that's what it is it's it's this is mischief and henrik just going on adventure much like nobita and um uh, doraemon yes exactly um and he he flaps in uh still still as a bird and picks up um uh henrik's patient clipboard and he's like 
da, da, da. Oh, so that's your name because they haven't been introduced because Henrik doesn't talk. And he's like, yeah, born in 1910. He's like, what haven't you been telling me? <laughs> um, uh, and, uh, you know, goes through the, hey, I bet the nurses in the other room are wondering why a man that is over a uh, hundred years old has a better skin than, than they do. Um, hey, I'm going to suggest that we get out of here or else you'll probably never be able to leave. Um, so <laughs> Not only that, he like uses the cerebral electricity to make a, a, a magazine cover like superimposed yes. over Henrik's face. And it's 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 like that, you know, Vogue uh skin unblemished of the month or whatever <laughs> like mm. thing and he's like i was making a joke but uh yeah this looks really good <laughs> yeah this is this is actually working for you um <laughs> um so yes heinrich gets up puts his his clothes back on uh mischief transport uh transforms into a, a parachute and they jump out the window and go off on their further adventures it, it's good because they're um there's a lot of unspoken communication between the two. Like, it, mm -hmm. it doesn't explain it, and Henrik never talks. So he just unquestioningly has a parachute. He just knows to jump, and it's going to be a parachute. He doesn't. He can't see what mischief's become right. on his back. <laughs> he just jumps right. out the window. Ugh. Um. Yes, uh, which brings us to a uh, the the next vignette, which is camouflage. Uh, Mischief and Heinrich arrive at a uh, uh, sushi restaurant um, where the head chef is an octopus demon, um, <laughs> uh, which. Uh, uh, and, and, uh, once again, uh, Mischief has donned his Henrik disguise. Um, uh, the, the, uh, Mischief asks, uh, the chef, um, hey, isn't cutting up fish a little cannibalistic? Uh, and the chef immediately recognizes Mischief. Uh, they have a discussion about camouflage and how pink might not be the best color. Uh, Mischief retorts, uh, depends on what you're trying to hide from. Uh, uh, there is a quick statement about uh, the strong eating the weak. Uh, or, yes, the strong eating the weak uh, and um, parasites. Uh, and the chef asks uh, uh, Mischief... Um, you know, one who steals the the power of others, isn't that what you're doing, Mischief? Uh, which causes Mischief to disengage from Henrik and ad admit guilt, uh, which is, uh, once again, telling. Um, and, no. So uh, the, the chef is like, they're, they're just talking about um, the, the, the strong eating the weak, and they're being, like, <coughs> indirect about it mm, yes and uh the chef's like what uh you know doesn't what about a parasite or how does a parasite and then he, then then mischief's like guilty um yes which uh you know sets up a really fascinating well mm -hmm. uh and once again uh is is explained later but uh sets up a really fascinating dynamic between 
uh, Mischief and Heinrich because uh, while we don't know all that much about Mischief other than his origin, um, we know that Heinrich is probably some form of immortal. So if uh, Mischief is is uh, uh, feeding off of him, what could he possibly be feeding off of? Um, so uh, that's a, a nice little setup for later. Um, the chef uh, informs him that he's been having visions of a machine that only sees the world in ones and zeros. Uh, obviously, uh, we are then shown the baby blimp and uh, Kami. Um, and uh, uh, a weird guy enters the restaurant, uh, um, which uh, seems to cause the chef some distress. Uh, and Mischief just casually... Uh, mentions, wait, are, are, are things weird now because that guy is standing in the middle of the restaurant just staring at us? Uh, to which he transforms into a fly, lands on the guy's nose, and says, you're a little early, uh, place doesn't open until five. Um, yeah. And then, uh, yes, go that on. That guy is just... So the world outside, it's I guess it's supposed to be the sun is maybe starting to go down, I think. No, oh, right. Yes. So everything's brightly, brightly yellow outside. And the guy comes in and but he's still yellow. <laughs> so it's yes. Like, what? It's like glowing almost. Yeah. Um and is this where we get um uh a series of of flashes of of Henrik's life um or his past um, yeah it 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 does that when they're um sitting down eating and looking okay. at a painting or they're not really looking at it but the the camera uses that as a flashback method mm-hmm. um yes uh uh, uh, Mischief loves noodles, which isn't surprising since spaghettification is his normal mode of being. Um, uh, Henrik doesn't really seem to eat. Uh, this is when Mischief's like, yeah, you should probably stop smoking so much. That's why you're not hungry. Um, and, uh, this, uh, this is the episode, I believe it's, uh, An Illusion of Time is the name of it, and this is where the connection to the two is basically established. Um, essentially, we are shown a, a series of flashbacks from, uh, Henrik's life, uh, and, uh, Mischief, uh, comes to understand that part of uh, uh, Henrik's uh, sadness is due to the loss of his family. Uh, his wife, his daughter, his granddaughter, and her husband, and his great-granddaughter. Um, however, um, Mischief uh, uh, knows that the granddaughter, the great-granddaughter, is still alive, and in fact, is the little girl that in the previous episode was seen with the uh, hand spirit that was taken by Cammy. Um, 
it is also revealed that uh, what mischief eats because he does uh, mention that yes, um, I don't I don't need food for sustenance, but man, do I love it because food's delicious. Uh, and it is finally revealed that mischief uh, feeds off of cerebral electricity. Uh, but seemingly, uh, specifically, the electricity from recently deceased beings. And those beings happen to be uh, Hendrik's granddaughter and her husband. Uh, and uh, Mischief was present the day that they had a terrible car ac accident off the side of a bridge and died leaving his great-granddaughter uh, alive and alone. Uh, the granddaughter was uh, rescued by the hand spirit, uh, and thus their connection to one another is is firmly is is established, but um, not uh, really expanded on at this point. No, we just yeah, we just have to like we've been shown that um, mischief has absorbed the energies from some of uh, Henrik's family. Yes. But then he's also telling him, he's like, don't you, um, there was five of you and now it was, then it was three and now they're gone. But, uh, it's not, it's just the two. The one of them is still alive. Doesn't, the, he, yes. he doesn't go further in like specifying any of that. He's just making statements. <laughs> yes. Um, uh, and there is also a, a very uh, interesting shot uh, where um, uh, Mischief goes full Pennywise and his face, his face fans out and uh, inside of his head, I I'm going to just say head, uh, is the same kind of cerebral electricity projection that is under uh, Kami's mask, um, which uh, s establishes some sort of roundabout connection between the two of them visually. Well, it's, I think. he said, uh, I think this is when he's saying, um, uh, you, um, it's like, was this the part where he's like, you, you did something and what, you know, what was it that you left behind? What was it that you, consumed like what did oh, i yes. consume and then he opens his head and then it shows some unidentified spirits yes because at that point we didn't know and then it's like, oh then it cycles back around because this this whole sh thing is recursive like it, it's building on itself but it's showing flashbacks not in sequence right so you have to like later go oh so that's what that was right um, yes, and, uh, at the end of this, uh, this revelation, uh, Mischief's like, yeah, let's go find your great-granddaughter. Uh, and they leave the restaurant, and he, uh, transforms into a car and says, punch buggy, before lightly <laughs> tapping Henrik on the shoulder, uh, before then transforming into a Mustang, um... Which once again, he's the best. I love him it, so much. It was really good because it's 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 like a weird. He's turns into a a VW Beetle, punches <laughs> Henrik, 
just you know taps him and he's like punch buggy he's like oh yep. no that actress couldn't and then he turns into like a sports car like a mustang yep. or something and he's like oh this is better <laughs> yep um once again proving that he's the best i i yeah. really love him he he makes me he like i i legitimately like listening to him like talk and exist in in this weird world um he he's like strangely comforting for being such a visually uncomfortable thing <laughs> Uh, and finally, which brings us to the end of part one, um, Mechanical Evolution, uh, Kami, uh, with the baby blimp, uh, 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 attacks the restaurant, uh, to, uh, uh, take control of the chef, um, and unlike, yes. This is, this is a part where when the blimps taking off or when it's heading that way we get a weird uh um, like a title card of a heart in a cage yes and the interpretations that i looked at and make sense is that uh kami's being sent to furnish itself more more pieces Yes. And it needs a compatible heart, and that compatible heart was the demon octopus chef's heart. Exactly. Yes. Um, yes. Um, it is actually uh, slightly more complicated than that, but that is the gist, and that it, it the, the the series goes into that further. But yes, the uh, the the chef is is a is also a heart um, at that uh, Cami and the baby blimp want uh one of the uh interesting things uh that uh questions that uh will be discussed later but kind of comes up now is whether or not cami and the blimp are are separate entities or if uh much like uh her title suggests she's simply an interface an extension of of the blimp or otherwise but yes uh there is a um a, a huge battle um uh, uh surprisingly uh you know it's it's not um you know it's not a uh, it's it's a battle between kemi and the chef uh involving knives and robots being thrown through buildings and into um uh cerebral electricity powered uh uh neon crosses uh because it, it you know this wouldn't be a series about introspection and uh and, and symbolism uh, if you weren't going to show it <laughs> especially uh, well uh, yes but mainly uh christian symbolism um <laughs> obviously uh you always have to you know have to fit that in there um but uh using <laughs> i think this is uh, uh this is um really kind of fun uh, just because, hey, if that means that if all the creatures from mythology are actually real and now visible, tangible uh, to the world, does that mean that um, um, the ways to defeat them also work? Uh, because uh, the baby blimp uh, uses its newly acquired hands to uh, seemingly pre- 
form uh, um, like a hand sign uh, to banish and absorb uh, the chef. Yeah, it's um, it looks like a mudra. Yes. But yeah, it, it it just obliterates the shell of the chef's body and absorbs the fragments um, because the the cerebral energy looks like fragments of glass. Yes, um, but they're like sometimes, in. <laughs> yeah, in this in this particular moment. So it's just gathering more powers, like it it gained the hand shield of the the. And spirit, yeah, thing, yeah, because <laughs> it, it uses that to deflect the knives easily. But if it hadn't gone to that first, it would have been maybe destroyed by the knives. Yes. Um. And uh, yes, uh, that is that is the end of of part one. Uh, Henrik and and mischief are on a buddy road trip to find his great granddaughter uh greetings uh robotics is uh, uh absorbing uh mystical energy uh entities uh and integrating itself uh integrating them uh with uh, a a machine god <laughs> and now we have a whole second half to deal with, which, uh, you know, we will at some point. Um, yeah, so that's Interface. Once again, I really suggest that you watch it. I'm, um, Dave, do you have, uh, you know, overall thoughts after having watched part one? Uh, not anything extra. I think as you watch it, uh, while it while it is trafficking in serialism and using symbology and being a little more abstract, I don't think that that I don't feel that that's making it any less accessible. I think you can watch this and uh, gain something from it, uh, mm -hmm. just thoughtful wise. Uh, in addition, I think that the the show um it's not relying on being referential, but if you're familiar with some of the things it's referencing, I feel like you probably get a little more out of it. <coughs> uh because that gives you a little bit uh, a little more room to use um other signifiers to um to like a, to figure out what it's saying. Yes, like like it's not just haphazardly throwing in references to things. Like uh, they're all carefully chosen and have meaning. Uh, they, they're being recontextualized for this piece of artwork. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, so I, yeah, I, being, I, being familiar with like what he's drawing on uh, is going to increase. I think your enjoyment of watching this is what I would say. Mm -hmm. And we and we've kind of tried to call out those pieces. So, uh, taking a little bit of time to even afterwards, like watching it, right? Thinking about it, 
looking up some of the references and then watching it again or watching parts of it um, mm-hmm. because it is 40 minutes long for this first part uh, to to maybe help form your own opinion of what this is because at its core it has a message but you can still um read into it uh and i don't think that that's that's doing any kind of disservice to like what's been created right exactly yeah so yeah i mean i recommend it really enjoyed this uh and as far as like monsters go this is trafficking in cosmic horror um yeah. g- ghosts uh <laughs> yes. um taking because of the the nature of henrik and that he's a silent protagonist uh, we don't get a lot of like there's no interaction really between um mischief henrik and the outside world like you're not we see people but they're just kind of walking by the only other person really is um a couple scientists and like mr greetings but they're talking to the audience not like to each other right um so there's a sense of alienate you 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 get the feeling that um it's making henrik relatable uh, and mischief relatable in this journey they're taking because you are also like as the viewer are also outside of this world you don't get to like interact with it mm-hmm. um right so that being the case it's it's building that sense of like isolationism mm-hmm. uh, i would put this in the camp alongside um uh kiyoshi kurosawa's uh like the pulse oh yes that yes. that that sense of taking technology and instead of you know they're using this energy this eldritch energy to to bring technology together but it's not bringing people together mm-hmm. it's sort of it's putting another barrier up right and it's just going to further divide people from each other because yes. because anytime we're seeing people they're like they're alone they're in an apartment they're watching tv they're not even seeing other people mm-hmm. and yeah you don't need to because the the greetings robotics company is is watching out and over and watching you um for your for your own benefit right. uh so i think that that kind of dread um is it's it's tangible uh and that is the other like the monstrous corporation um the idea of these sort of weaponized um cryptids like that's yeah mm-hmm. that's really cool um and you don't yes. see that usually it's organizations bent on like battling them or figuring out what's going on but like taking them and using them uh it feels also um well i i would say like there's a bit of akira in there that feels mm-hmm. like how you would do a battle of um in pacific in pacific rim uh into the black where they uh, yes. were taking the kaiju uh hive mind and trying to power the drones 
Mm-hmm. Or accidentally, like, they got the drones who were absorbed into it is kind of like what they're doing. They're, they're taking a thing that's an enemy and trying to use it against itself. Right. Uh, or use it against people. And that's mm-hmm. that's kind of what this is playing in as far as this um, interface one is concerned. So I'm interested right. to see what it's, what it's going to wrap up in. But the uh, Mr. Greetings, like, that just gives that, like, he says it's for, like, the betterment of mankind, but you feel like, it's no, it's not. It's, like, for his <laughs> own personal gain, maybe, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but that it doesn't feel like he's sure about it either. Right. He's like, yeah. I, 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 I think it's more, it's it's not that he's not sure about it, but it's, like, he can't. He's created a thing that he can't control, and that's the, um, this is a second creation, um, tantamount to, to, and they've already called it, um, but tantamount to the, the creation of, like, the atomic bomb. Yes. You've, you've harnessed these forces that you really shouldn't have tapped into, and it's, it's not your uh plaything anymore like it's mm. it's going to be beyond what you can try to do and you maybe shouldn't have done it in the first place right but yeah that's yeah. where i sit on it <laughs> um and i sit on it as um uh once again big fan uh big fan of of the story that it's telling that of the this weird world that it's created like there's uh, like so the sky's never blue in in the series and then i as i watch it over and over again i'm like is it because that's a stylistic decision or is it because the sky has actually like fundamentally changed like its color um and, but but like the effects of the sun haven't changed, but the sky is just no longer blue anymore, just as the result of of the nineteen forty three incident. And I think that that's the general read on it from viewers is that that event unleashed not only the cerebral electricity, but also whatever it did changed the makeup of our atmosphere. I don't know whatever is giving it the blue color is gone or has just been changed. Right. Um, So it's because, and it's just, it's just, it's a world that just had to uh, adjust to a fundamental, like sea change in how it works. And yet, and it's not, it's not a post-apocalypse. Like the world didn't end. It it just changed and and people adapted as people tend to do. So yeah, like, it's that that adaptability and kind of what Henrik has done is right. be, things have changed irrevocably, and his family has has changed, uh, and that changed him but not in a way that's um it's in a a bad way because i think right. i think what changed him wasn't it's not uh, it's something else and then his family changed because of that right and i want to say it's probably because of his um photography with the uh nuclear weapons mm mm-hmm. 
is some change something in him um maybe probably mentally uh mm-hmm. and that the fall the fallout of that uh destroyed his family right um yeah uh it's good it's good i really recommend that you watch it once again it's 40 it's like 43 40 minutes um and it's really it's it's just it's it's charming in the way that a thing that was like not commercially produced is is charming uh but while also being insightful and like legitimately intriguing um if if you're in the headspace for it at the time i i really lo- love this i'm i'm really happy that i discovered it i was fortunate i discovered um this uh a, a few months back um when there was only a part 1 and uh soon after part 2 followed so i immediately jumped on it uh and much like you said i couldn't possibly imagine having had follow followed this like in in the in like the three drip form chunks yeah <laughs> yeah it would have been i i don't know it, it's we're divorced of that experience so i i don't think that it'd be any less intriguing probably far more so because you have nothing to like grab onto until the next piece is released uh but but there's also a uh well technically interface is one whole thing it's just cut cut into two parts but there's a a sequel a safe mode um which i think is in production i don't know if it's finished yeah, the the first episode of Safe Mode is is currently okay. out. So yeah, it's doing it. It's doing something else. So um, the the story continues. Um, if you if you get through all of Interface and want more of what uh is being dished up, um, there's there's more, and it's 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 extant. So yes, yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, recommend from both of us really check it out it's um it's legitimately fantastic um and i'm also very much looking forward to talking about part two um because i think part two is is also really interesting in a completely well not completely different but in a different way than part one and i can understand why it was split um into two parts the way it was um but it it also really uh, it is also kind of really effective as a film too if you watch part 1 and 2 just back to back it is it's like a two and a half hour film that tells a complete story um that that makes sense and i think that's also a testament to to uh the creator um and his his skill in in telling this story yeah well um we'll probably get to that sooner rather than later because i'd like to still have this fresh in my mind to discuss mm-hmm. um that so maybe in not next week but the week after we'll uh we'll we'll batter around and kind of see but i think with that um uh leonard send us home yes uh dave where can people find you on the internet 
You can find me on Twitter at sentinot underscore plus, uh, along with the show's Twitter, which is mon underscore d monster. And not to be remiss, our, our wayward co-host, Cameron, you can find him on Twitter as well at night underscore twitten. And how about yourself, Leonard? Yes, you can find me on Twitter at Dr. Faust is dead. You can find my alternate film account uh, on Twitter at Umbra Knox Productions. And you can find my uh, video game essay work on YouTube. Also by searching uh, Dr. Faust is dead. Um, I can never remember the email, Dave. You are the master of the admin. What admin us home? <laughs> yeah, the uh, the email um, for the podcast is uh, monsterdearmonster at gmail dot com. I made that one easy. <laughs> uh, and with that, I believe we will draw this episode to a close. Uh, thank you for joining us, and uh, we hope to. Uh, hope that you will join us again soon for our next episode of Monster Dear Monster. Goodbye. Bye-bye, folks.